ప్రేమ స్వరూపులారా ఎంబోడిమెంట్స్ ఆఫ్ లవ్ శాంతిని లోపల ఉన్నది కానీ బయట లేదు పీస్ ఇస్ విత్ ఇన్ నాట్ అవుట్ సైడ్ అవుట్ సైడ్ నో పీస్ ఓన్లీ పీసెస్ డియర్ లిస్నర్స్ సైరామ్ అండ్ గ్రీటింగ్స్ ఫ్రమ్ ప్రశాంతి నిలయం వెల్కమ్ టు అవర్ రేడియో ప్రోగ్రామ్ అవుట్సైడ్ ఇన్సైడ్ డీప్ ఇన్సైడ్ This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live hosted by Bishu Prosti. Today's episode was first broadcast live on 5th July 2018. Saram dear listeners and good morning from the most sacred place of prashant nilayam from the most happening place on the planet i am team ready size bishu today is 5th july 2018 and it's been a month since the new academic year began in prashant nilayam and if you recall 3 weeks ago in june 2018 in this episode of outside inside deep inside i started a new series a series to celebrate the 50 golden years of the Brindavan campus of Bhagwan's university. Learning with love in Brindavan. In July 1969, Swami started the Sri Satyasai Arts, Science and Commerce College in Brindavan, which later metamorphosed into the Brindavan campus of Sri Satyasai Institute of Higher Learning in 1981. And in that episode, on July 7th, June 7th, 2018, I not only shared with you some details about the inauguration day of this college in Vrindavan, but more importantly, took you back to the roots of this college. And that is when I shared with you the story of the Sri Satyasai Veda Patashala, which Bhagwan started in 1962. And the main focus of Bhagwan in this institution was... the inculcation of the tenets of indian culture adhyatma vidya vidyanam swami says true knowledge is the knowledge of the self and the knowledge of the self is what is contained in the scriptures and the veda patashala was completely suffused with learning the scriptures learning sanskrit reciting the vedas and trying to assimilate what is there in these sacred texts and trying to put them into practice so i shared with you the routine of the students who were there in the Veda Patshala. And so we saw how that was the foundation for what slowly came up later. In 1968, Swami set up the Anandpur College and now Swami combined the spiritual education with secular education and year after that was the turn of Prindavan, immense college. And as you now listen to the story of the Prindavan College, you will slowly see how this was the foundation now for the coming of the university you know it was during the days of the brindavan campus between 1969 and 1979 when swami started the prashantinam campus it is this period which set the tone which concretized bhagwan's idea of the rejuvenation of india's youth in tune with ancient india's ancient spiritual heritage it was during this period that everything was set in terms of swami's educational philosophy 
faculty, alumni, teaching methodology, what should be the focus, what should be the approach of teaching, what should be the approach that should be there between the teachers and the students, what should be the relationship between the teachers and the students, what should be the association between the students and the teachers and between the students, you know, everything, what should be the focus of the college, how much importance should be given to sports, how much importance should be given to academic education where they should merge completely, you know, and how they should be imparted, how the students should practice them, what are the activities that should be done in the colleges so that these learnings are actually put into practice. So everything sort of, this was an experimental phase in a manner of sorts where Bhagwan was spending so much time with the students in those years. In the Prashantilam College was not there. So all the boys were in Pandavan and so much to spend some six in some year, six months, some year, nine months in Pandavan. And that was the golden period of the Sri Satya Sai student community. The students who had the opportunity to study. They had in those years of Bhagwan very, very memorable times, very, very insightful times of staying with Bhagwan, learning with Bhagwan, basking in his love and learning, witnessing him at close quarters. So this is what we will be focusing on in the next few sessions of this series. So I will have this series on the first Thursday of every month throughout this year. So in the coming episodes, we will be focusing on the cultivation of the hearts of the students, the way Bhagwan did it in these years, you know, between 1969 and 79. But today we'll go to the start of this college, how this college in Pandavan came into being the origins of the Sri Satyasai Art, Science and Commerce College. And for this, I have to give you some background of Swami's association with this city, Bengaluru, one of the luckiest cities, I must say. And I think this is something really to be proud of for every Bangalorean, you know, because it was close to Puttaparthi, just 160, 150 kilometers away. Swami, when he was just 18 years old, came to this city for the first time he was in Bengaluru in February 1944 and at that point in time Swami stayed in the house of Sri Mavali Ramarao near Lalbagh and he was there for 10 days. Now this family was related to Karnam Subama. We know about Karnam Subama, the foster mother of Bhagwan. So Karnam Subama, her brother Papur Satyanarayana and Srimati Kamlamma, they travelled with Swami from Puttaparthi by a bullock cart to Pendukonda railway station and from the Pendukonda railway station they took a train and they came to Bangalore. So that was sort of the first time Bhagwan came to Bangalore along with Karnam Subama, along with his foster mother and they stayed in the house of Sri Ramarao, Mavali, Ramarao near Lalbagh. There were very few relatives of Kamlama, you know, and their friends in the city who visited Swami only out of curiosity, who is this Bhat Raju boy, you know, who is proclaiming himself to be Sai Baba, who materializes things out of thin air and who cures people's diseases without any medicine. So all these news was in the air and people came to see Swami just to unravel who this mysterious boy is. So that is how the first visit happened. And then there were four more trips that Swami made to the city in 1944. And the people who came during these trips, they could not come Again, whenever Bhagwan came, because I remember talking to someone, a very old lady who had the opportunity of having Bhagwan's darshan in those days. And she says, you know, Swami is so handsome, so radiant. You just couldn't take your eyes off him. You know, even though there were no lights, there were hardly 
there were proper electricity also even in bangalore in those era we are talking about 1944 but you know if he was there in any room he was like uh, a ball of light so that is the memory of people have of bhagwan of those days and so some his visits to bangalore became frequent he came almost every festival and whenever he was going to chennai he would stop by in bangalore and with time as devotees started increasing a bigger place was needed for bhagwan to accommodate the increasing crowd that were coming for his darshan so slowly swami started staying in the bungalow of some of the devotees houses so that is how swami started staying in the residence of shri narsimha rao naidu and shri navanitham naidu in chamrajpet in the subsequent visits in 1944 swami blessed these devotees houses and then later on in 1945-46 swami stayed in the spacious compound of shri tirumala rao it was on the saint john's road so that is when devotees started flocking for his darshan and in 1946 47 and 48 there was one shri ranjot singh who was the inspector general of police in basavangudi swami stayed in those 3 years in the house of mr singh and also there was the house of sakamma now sakamma is someone if you have read bhagwan's early history she was the main instrument in the construction of bhagwan's in the patha mandir in the patha mandir you know building the first house for bhagwan in prashantilam she was the one you know who did a lot a very very key person in bhagwan's early avatarhood so she was in bangalore i remember swami narrating how sakamma was all the time telling swami you come to bangalore and you stay in bangalore i will build a big mansion for you or you know wherever you want you know if you are staying in puttaparthi it is so difficult for us to come and it is really very even not safe for you because you know the villagers were jealous and all that but swami said no i will not leave puttaparthi this is the place i am born and and that is how sakamma then later you know bought land and that's how the path mandiram came so we have lot of stories about sakamma's human contribution to bhagwan's uh, earthly sojourn so she had a house in bull temple road and swami used to visit there between 1947 and 1950 and if you look at now the visits of bhagwan there are so many areas of bangalore that swami has actually stepped you know you, I'm, i'm talking about bull temple road i'm talking about basavan gudi we're talking about saint john's road we're talking about chamraj pet and there was also shrimati nagamani purnaya again another very distinguished devotee i talked about her when i did the series on mrs ratanlal her residence was there in richmond road and there was also the residence of mr keshav vithal rao in wilson garden and swami stayed in vithal rao's residence during 1949 and 1953 people who are aware of uh, the association of mr vithal rao with bhagwan would know that it is his daughter who became the warden of the anandpur campus jayma madam Miss Jay Lakshmi Gopinath, Jayama Madam, you know, as a little girl in her teens, she saw Swami for the first time in her house in Bangalore, and that is how you know she developed that great connect with Bhagwan, and you know, with time, she came and gave her entire life in his service. So this is how Swami's visits to Bangalore was happening during the 1940s and early 50s, and between 1954 and 58. Swami stayed in Sri Venkat Raman and Sri Srinivasan's house. Now these were two reputed auditors of the city. They had the opportunity to host Bhagwan. Their residences were located in Kumara Park, and 
you know, if you look at these stories of people who were coming to Bhagwan at that point in time, amazing leelas. There was one K R Shastri who was a young man working in the firm of Venkatraman and Shrinivasan, and this man who was a great devotee of Rama, when he saw Bhagwan, he just felt that he is the same Rama come again, and he has such great love for Bhagwan. Swami also took him close, and he became a personal servitor of Bhagwan during his visits to Bangalore, and uh, eventually that bond between. Bhagwan and Mr. Shastri grew very strong. There is a very beautiful incident where, in April 1959, Shastri had to go to Pune to write an examination in accountancy. And before leaving, he went to Bhagwan for blessings. And Swami said, "You have my abundant blessings. I will be with you all along." And so he went and he wrote the first paper. And after that, you know, just to take a break, he went to the railway station. Adjoining that, there was a park. So he just went and sat in the park there with a friend. and suddenly there appears a tall and fair and, and a big man short gray hair on his head and old shoes on his feet and his shirt was a uh, full sleeves and he had a pant but they all looked old and when that person started speaking you know there was a very mystical charm about him and that person asked where do you come from and this mr shastri said something and then the old man started saying you know what i visit bangalore quite often I know Chamraj Pet. I know Basavan Gudi. I know Kumara Park very well. This is what this old man is saying, and says that I have gone round the world, but there is no other country like India. I love India very much. This land is the treasure house of spiritual wisdom in the world. So all these things this old man is telling Shastri, and then goes on to say that you know I don't have anyone to call my own, but I love everyone. and then as the conversation went into 2 hours and then then eventually you know he said you know i have to go because there are so many devotees waiting for me there are so many people waiting for me and i have many responsibilities you can sit here at leisure as long as you want and then before leaving he again looked at shastri and said never fail in your duties to your parents however busy you may be never forget god a little devotion to him will save you from terrible disasters so all these messages came to him and when it was time for that person to leave that person only said oh look at the time you know and he pointed to the clock and when the ayus of mr shastri went to the clock and then when he turned around this person was not there he had vanished into thin air and that is when he realized oh my god baba had come swami himself had come you know in that shirdi baba form and i failed to recognize him and you know he was feeling fire upon my intelligence and then he came to Bangalore later on, and Swami had gone later to Madikeri. He met Swami in Madikeri, and then Swami asked, "Hey, what happened in Pune?" And then Swami looked at Professor Kasturi and said, "See, Pahapam, this fellow failed to recognize me." So there are so many such amazing instances. One thing also you notice is, you know, because Shirdi Baba, that form was so familiar in those days with people. Swami, perhaps you know. Took the Shirdi Baba form just to reiterate in people that you know he's the same one come again now. So this is how you know there was transformation happening. This Shastri later on became a very active member of the Satyasai organization and he was the district president of one of the districts in Karnataka. So this is how as time passed, Bhagwan's flock, so to say, had grown so much that no devotee's residence actually could manage the. crowds that came for his darshan and many of the devotees they had to assemble braving sun and the rain on the road sides you know wherever in whichever whoever residence swami stayed and 
that used to always you know, bother bhagwan when you should look at the devotees you know and the pains that they've been going through just to you know have his darshan and it is in this context that in 1st january 1958 swami visited whitefield a small town then 20 kilometers to the east of bengaluru and swami spent with some devotees there one whole day swami spent in an orchard and this orchard had fruit laden trees and on 23rd july 1959 swami purchased this orchard because he really loved that place it was a 20 acre compound on the eastern side of the main road just to the north of this town and swami then ceremonially entered this place on 25th july 1960 and swami called this became an ashram once bhagwan entered that it became a spiritual abode and swami called this nandanavanam nandanavanam you know which means the garden of delight the garden of the divine son of nanda so this is sort of the genesis in a way of the brindavan ashram this is how swami was created an abode for him in prindavan and this rectangular plot you know it had hundreds of trees adorning it and it it resounded with the chirping of thousands of birds with a small hillock covered with trees on the northern side it really looked very heavenly it was a small but attractive bungalow all around it there were gardens there was no other building around that place there was only one outhouse adjoining the main gate at its southwestern corner and swami started staying in this place whenever he came to bangalore after july 1959 so swami stayed in nandanavanam during those short visits to the city till the end of 1961 so 1959 1960 1961 swami is in nandanavanam and when swami started staying in nandanavanam when devotees started flocking there they were looking for places to stay at that point in time you know whitefield was completely outskirts of the city we are talking about 50s we are talking about 60s and it was all only jungle and there were no facilities for devotees to stay when they came there were no guest houses very very minimal even places to stay places to eat so one devotee who was desperate to have bhagwan's darshan during this time was mr ramabrahmam perhaps the name itself rings a bell if you are following this episodes of outside inside deep inside because i talked about him when i talked about the story of mrs ratanlal and in fact we are going to do a, again a very detailed story of mr ramabrahmam in the future episodes of outside inside deep inside so it was at this time in 1961 that mr ramabrahmam wanted to have bhagwan's darshan and he came to whitefield because swami was in nandanavanam and now ramabrahmam hailed from Kolavennu village he hailed from Krishna district of Andhra Pradesh some 30 kilometers from Vijayawada his father was an agriculturist later on Ramabrahmam also took to the same business he was very successful and in 1947 he went to a place called Ventrapagada which was 25 kilometers from Vijayawada there he saw a relative who had become a devotee of Shirdi Sai and in fact that relative had constructed a shrine for Shirdi Sai and he started telling him about the leelas of Shirdi Baba and how after he returned from his visit to shirdi he was blessed with a girl child and he was so happy that he named the girl child as sai talli you know as a prasadam as a affectionate name for a girl who is a prasadam of sai you know sai talli and 
when ram brahmam heard all those stories now he, now he wanted to go to shirdi and that is how his journeys to shirdi began and when he returned from shirdi interestingly he was also blessed with a daughter and he also called his daughter saitalli and after his visit to shirdi started his business prospered now he had 300 acres at 25 shifts of bullocks two horses and in by 1952 he started a new company he was now doing export business so for those 10 years you know 1944 to 1952 Rama Brahmam grew as a very very successful businessman and it was during this time that you know one day he came to Hindupur and then he thought you know he will go there because there was a bullock cart fair there and he wanted to pick up some good bullocks for his business and when he was in the bus you know Puttaparthi falls on the way and there he heard people talking about this baba you know about this young boy who says who's the incarnation of shirdi sai and all that so when he heard that you know he got very very curious and he wanted to know is it really true so he forgot about buying his bullocks and he stopped there and he asked the way to puttaparthi they told okay go through kadri mudikuppa and bukkapatnam so he did all that journey and he reached prashantinilayam at that point in time you know 1953 and as soon as he reached puttaparthi you know he reached the gate 1953 as soon as he crossed the gopuram gate and he started walking towards mandir swami was coming in the opposite direction and the first thing swami said is hey ramabrahmam how are you and now ramabrahmam was completely taken aback because the first time i'm seeing this baba who, or you know this boy that he calls sai and how does he know me he's calling me by my name as if he knows me for years and so he was absolutely puzzled and then swami immediately said are why are you so surprised daily you offer puja to me only no i am that shirdi sai so this was a very very revealing moment for ram brahmam he stayed in puttaparthi for the next few days you know and he saw how swami cured someone of a tonsil operation how swami was materializing vibhuti how swami was talking to people of different cities different regions and how each person was getting healed someone's business problem was solved someone's personal life was restored all these stories started hearing and you know and then he heard that people can actually offer pada puja to the lord and so he thought why not i also do pada puja so he bought in those days a pada puja kit used to be available outside uh, the shops in puttaparthi you could ask swami for this chance so so he went and bought this kit and so that kit would have flower incense tulsi leaves and so on and he asked swami if he can do the pada puja you know offer worship to his feet and swami agreed there was in fact in those days a pada puja room specially for that and when he got this opportunity so he was there doing this puja and he did it with all reverence and all a feeling of awe a feeling of devotion a feeling of absolute uh, amazement and then as he was worshiping the lord's feet as he finished finally he looked at bhagwan he raised his head to look at swami and now what does he see when he looked up he did not see the swami he did not see satya sai the place of satya sai he saw shirdi sai he saw the sai whom he loved the sai whom he worshiped for 10 years the sai which is made him what he was he saw complete form of shirdi sai and that's it when he saw shirdi sai that was the last stone that was needed to make the pillar of his faith rock solid that was the turning point of ram brahmam's journey to bhagwan 
शिरडी निवासा साई शंकरा So that is how Rama Brahmam's transformation happened and in 1955 he went back and now after coming to Swami you know his business grew even better he was now he started exporting to Belgium and there was no stopping of his growth as a businessman and he had now a jeep a ford car and so on business was doing really great and it, that's how it continued 1956 57 58 and unfortunately in 1958 he developed umbilical hernia even before that he had fallen sick for some time and his son took care of him and he recovered by bhagwan's grace but this time when he developed this health issue because it was a prolonged situation many people took advantage of his absence and there were people who were supposed to return the money due to him who defaulted and this time because he could not give much attention to his business because of his ill health his exports suffered and he lost a lot of money at this point this was one very low phase of his life because everything he saw slipping out of his hand everything that he had built for years and in those days you know he had so much faith in swami that anything that happened he should come to bhagwan take his advice and only then take the next step whether it was something to do with his business or with his family or anything to do with any member of you know his relatives so that is how his connect to bhagwan was and it is in this context that he had come for bhagwan's darshan to nandanavanam in 1961 and as i was telling you in nandanavanam there were no accommodation facilities there were no facilities for people to even eat outside that is how remote and desolate the place was somis bungalow was the only place you know there were only trees around it was largely a jungle area completely outskirts of bangalore so at that point in time mr rama brahmam stayed 5 kilometers away from nandanavanam in a place called mohan palace now this mohan palace belonged to one of his relatives gogineni venkata subbaya naidu and his family they were the owners of the mohan palace they were known as the maika kings of andhra pradesh at that point in time you know 
it was a 13 acre plot 5 kilometers to the north of nandanavanam and because he had no other place to stay and and there were relatives here so that is how you know mohan's palace was sort of a guest house for mr rama brahmam to stay close to nandanavanam and have darshan of bhagwan so that is how he came to bangalore and when swami was in nandanavanam rama brahmam was in mohan's palace and every morning he would go to nandanavanam and stay the whole day with bhagwan and every evening you know he would come back again to mohan's palace he used to breakfast with swami have his lunch with swami have his dinner with swami and in the evening the most interesting thing is in the evening when he used to come back swami himself used to walk that 5 kilometers along with mr rama brahmam just to give him company and leave him at mohan's palace so swami used to walk just like you know we take a friend and go for a walk every evening 5 kilometers as long as rama brahmam was there swami would walk that distance and drop rama brahmam at mohan's palace i mean that was the love that swami had for rama brahmam that was the deep connect at that point in time you know his faith in swami was being rewarded such enormously by bhagwan at that point in time and swami then guided him swami said don't start anything now your time is not good and it was this relationship between swami and rama brahmam that this goginini family witnessed and they heard from rama brahmam the stories about how bhagwan is actually shidi baba come again they heard the stories of how swami has cured him this tell the stories how swami cured his son how swami has looked after every detail of ram brahma's family and, and the families of all his children so all these stories that ram brahma told the goginini family this is what prompted them to go and visit swami and that is how the connect between the goginini family and bhagwan began and because the goginini family had great respect of ram brahma because he himself was a very very successful businessman it just that recently something had gone wrong but otherwise he was known as a very very astute businessman so when ram brahma himself was talking so gloriously about swami that is what prompted the goginini venkata subayanaidu family to go to nandanavanam and visit bhagwan and that relationship was in a way the genesis of the coming of the brindavan ashram now the mohan's palace which belonged to the goginini family this was situated just next to the whitefield railway station and it was a well planned area with a spacious bungalow surrounded by well tended horticultural gardens and there was a fountain a pond a winding avenue flanked on either side by many flower bearing trees connecting the bungalow to the main gate so it was again another nandanavanam but it was an expanded version of nandanavanam it was very picturesque because there was again one bungalow very beautiful old bungalow but very spacious one and all around it there were trees and there was this gardens and there was this walking path so it was and on one side as you entered the compound you could see a huge people tree on the right hand side and there were two tiled roofed cottages connected by a covered corridor on the left side so when you looked at the entire thing you know it looked like a mini heaven it had a very different charm of its own and eventually in september 1961 the goginaini 
Venkata Subaya Naidu he passed away the elder person of this family passed away and he had three sons Shri Venkateshwar Rao Shri Seshagiri Rao and Shri Mohan Rao so these three sons who had visited bhagwan along with their father they were completely in love with bhagwan you know after they went to nandanavanam they requested swami to come to mohan's palace and swami did a see to the request and swami came and stayed in mohan's palace later on you know whenever swami visited bangalore on the request of these three brothers and swami in fact spent this summer of 1962 entirely in mohan's palace and you know excellent arrangements were made for bhagwan's darshan under the trees on either side of the avenue and the service that these three brothers rendered to swami to make his stay comfortable to make arrangements for all the devotees visiting swami you know swami was very touched with their selfless service and then there came a time when these three brothers you know inspired by their deep love for bhagwan and looking at the relationship that swami had with devotees the way that devotees are longing for swami and the way swami is spending so much time with devotees and the way the place was facilitating this divine drama so beautifully you know they were inspired and were so touched by it that they said swami you please accept this mohan palace why don't you make mohan palace your permanent abode please accept it please take it over from us it does not belong to us anymore and it was this love of these three brothers that swami accepted this mohan's palace as his own but swami did not take it free you know swami said no if i accept the mohan palace then you should take nandanavanam you please i am giving the nandanavanam to you and they did not want anything in return but swami said no no you have to have that you know you are giving me such a big place here you have to take nandanavanam and swami did not stop with that swami said no nandanavanam is a very small place mohan's palace and this entire area is so huge swami also gave them cash more than a lakh rupees you know i'm here talking about 1960 so swami gave nandanavanam swami gave them enough money and swami said no you do whatever you want there in fact the three brothers they set up a factory there in it is called thing rao insulating factory so that is how swami accepted the area what we now call as brindavan you know you do a little for the lord you can never ever do anything for the lord without being rewarded 100 times and more and that is what happened in the case of this goginini brothers and once the mohan's palace was taken over by bhagwan swami now christened rechristened this place and swami called it brindavan you know and the moment you hear the word brindavan it only reminds you of the divine leela of krishna of the gopis and gopalas and that is the ambience that swami created that if you read the stories if you listen to the tales of the students who were with bhagwan during that time the devotees were the time to be in close proximity of bhagwan in that point in time swami in fact had clearly even mentioned it in the letters to the student that he wants the students to develop that madhura bhakti develop that love that gopikas and the gopalas had for krishna and because swami was so free swami was like krishna here you know playing with the children all the time spending all his time with the students molding them very subtly playfully giving them as much time as he can so that is how brindavan came into 
and doing all these leelas you know all the time curing creating taking them on out on picnics there was a gokulam there so all these the scene that was created in this place was highly one which took people back in times of dwapara that is how prindavan came into being on 13th april 1964 there was a 3 day long function starting from that day to mark the inauguration of the ashram and you know by that time you know between 1962 and 64 there were many aesthetic alterations that had taken place in the ashram after bhagwan took over and it was on a day which was the start of the vasanta navratri you know 13th april 1964 when the inaugural function was held and many dignitaries and vedic scholars and celebrated artists came from all parts of india and that is how brindavan became the second home of the avatar and as i said swami started spending a large part of his time in brindavan and initially you know swami used to give his darshans in you know, a strolling up and down the venue you know as people sat on either side but later on as bhajan sessions started these sessions happened under this sprawling people tree on sundays and thursdays and then there was a circular platform that was created that surrounded this huge trunk of the tree and there was a very beautiful marble idol of venugopala swami that swami installed there so the krishna of dwapara came to this land where sai krishna was doing his leelas and you had this tribhangi krishna krishna in the dancing pose of krishna with the flute on his lips so that was the beautiful charming krishna that swami installed in this shed which later on came to be called as the sairam shed or the sairam mandap there was a circular mandap with a roof of metallic sheets that came up under the tree and so that was the beautiful way brindavan came into life i was talking to mr nanjundaya someone who came to brindavan in those days in 6768 and i asked him you know how it felt to be in brindavan in those days i don't remember to have seen brindavan in the earlier births like krishna avatar and all that but i must have that experience because when i saw brindavan it brought that kind of love for swami that kind of approach for swami that kind of surrender to swami so it was very very pleasant experience devotees would love to visit brindavan because of the very atmosphere there two rows of trees people will be sitting there the numbers were small so that was the place where people get a little closer to swami swami would be very indulgent and go from person to person spend some time and all that once swami gave me vibhuti prasadam i took it and then onwards i began attending more frequently swami's functions very serene atmosphere vast area this was the brindavan it was a very very unique kind of atmosphere in brindavan so that was professor nanjundaya who later on joined swami's college there and we know he became the controller of examinations eventually when the university started so this is what how brindavan was in 1967 and we know in 1968 swami started the college for women in anantpur so when that college for women started and you know swami is visiting brindavan it was during this time that there was one dr varadachari 
who was a RMP doctor, registered medical practitioner in those days, you know, who were certified by the government to practice. So he was 60 plus. He was living in Kadugudi area where Brindavan is now. His son was a lawyer and this Dr. Varadachari along with another person who was the village head of Kadugudi, they went to Bhagwan and they made prayer to Swami saying, Swami, in this area there are no educational institutions for all the rural children here. If you permit Swami, can we build a school? It will be nice to have a school here. And Swami said, why school? I will build a college for you. And that is the genesis of the Sri Satyasai Art, Science and Commerce College in Pindavan. An architecture was brought from Mumbai who did all the design and then from then on Swami took over completely. You know, that whole plan was Swami's complete involvement in the setting up of this, this college. One thing, you know, that to reflect on here is the avatar does not do anything on his own volition. The avatar only responds to prayers. The avatar, unlike a human being, has no karma. You know, he has no wishes. He has no desires. He is only a witness. He only is there as a Sakshi Bhutam, as Swami says. And he does not desire to do anything. There is no karma attached to him. But he only acts on the prayers of devotees. Everything that Swami has done, there is always a prayer and he responded to that prayer. And in this case, you find Dr. Varadachari and you know this village had praying Swami. And that is when how Swami responded. Yes, it was a small prayer and Swami you know, converted it into a mountain of grace. But that is how the avatar works. The avatar cannot do anything on his own because he has nothing to do because he's just a witness but he acts only for the sake of devotees. So that is how on June 9th, 1969, Swami bestowed the privilege of unfurling this college to Sri Virendra Patil, the Chief Minister of Karnataka. And when he came, he said, Baba has come to recitate dharma, you know, which is the foundation for the welfare of humanity. And he went on to say how this college will promote these ethical and spiritual values which are so needed for the youth of the times. And then you had Dr. V.K. Kokak who was the Vice-Chancellor of the University of Bangalore then. It was to this university that this college was affiliated and he called this the gem in the jewel crown of Bangalore University. So that is how the college inauguration day happened. In fact, Dr. Gokak said that it will set the pattern for college education, not only in academic field, but also in the ethical and spiritual fields. And because this is a college conceived, devised and completed by Baba's love, grace and wisdom, brick by brick, plank by plank, Bhagwan has attended to its every detail. It is a lesson for all who seek to do sincere loving service here. Teachers and students have the unique chance of learning the art of achieving harmony and gaining peace apart from the intellectual attainments which the curriculum enjoins. So this is what Dr. Gokak mentioned on the inauguration day and then when Bhagwan rose to speak, Swami said, this college will pay attention to providing for its alumni a complete education. Karma Marga, Dharma Marga, Brahma Marga, all the three, the principles of right action, right social behavior and spiritual advancement, all these three things will be inculcated in the students of this college. So that is how the inauguration of the college happened. The facilities were very basic then. The college was just a shed. If you have visited the Brindavan Ashram where the current Kalyan Mandapam is, at that, in that area there was one shed 
apparently there was one big hall and there was one room called the room number 5 which was you know one main area at that point in time so there was this prayer hall and behind that there were two small rooms and those two small rooms were used for theory classes and behind that was a chemistry lab then there were a few washrooms and behind the washrooms were the library a few more classrooms tiny tiny buildings and there was a botany lab geology lab if you visited the brindavan hostel you know if you see there is a basement it was a pond or a lake so at that point in time that was the place where the labs were there and behind that there were two more classrooms so there was this little little sheds you know a string of sheds one after another so that is how you know in a very rudimentary way the college started and dr gokak in 1969 he retired from being the vice chancellor of the bangalore university and once he retired he started staying in brindavan dr gokak was a major writer in the kannada language he was a scholar of english he was the fifth writer to be honored with the gyanpeeth award in 1990 for his epic bharata sindhu rashmi bharata sindhu rashmi deals with the vedic age and is perhaps the longest epic narrative in any language in the 20th century in 1961 government also awarded him with padma shri for his you know literary contribution he was also the president of the sahitya academy between the years 1983 and 1987 he also served as the director of indian institute of advanced study in shimla and the central institute of english in hyderabad so very very distinguished person a literateur someone who had wide experience in running educational institutions who had a great flair for english and kannada so you had such a luminary who settled down in brindavan to guide the growth of this college another person who joined dr gokak during this period was mr suri bhagwantam till december 1962 suri bhagwantam was the director of indian institute of science and then later on he became the scientific advisor to the minister of defense at that point in time the minister of defense was mr vk krishnamenan and he was also dr suri bhagwantam was the director general of drdo defense research and development organization and during his 9 year tenure when he headed the drdo dr bhagwantam was instrumental in setting up of a chain of laboratories for the department of missiles aircraft aero engines combat vehicles like tanks electronic warfare systems high explosives underwater weapons so he was someone again a lighthouse in the scientific community so you had these two very very eminent individuals who retired from their service in july 1970 dr bhagwantam retired and both of them now started staying with bhagwan in prandavan and swami gave them this chance to witness the unfurling of his education mission because as they stayed with swami so they saw at close quarters how swami was shaping students they saw how swami was putting into action the philosophy that he had been mentioning in his discourses you know how swami wanted to bring back the glory of ancient india how swami wanted to bring back the gurukula system in a very modern way how swami was deeply involved with every aspect of students development you know there was no big hostel at that point in time there was again just a dormitory where the current stores is the corporate stores in bundavan is that's where there was a dormitory so and there were just and there were two rooms and on the top there was a big hall so that is a very very basic facilities for hostel initially there were only three students in the hostel when the first year of the college she said say arts science and commerce college only three students in the hostel 
well the hostel had three students but there were many day scholars you know as i was mentioning the college swami set it up for the local people so there were 300 to 400 students who joined for puc which means pre university course which is basically 11th and 12th grade so there were two sections for each course bsc bcom and ba and a lot of devotees children also started joining there were also trains for people to commute from bangalore and study because you know it's next to the railway station so you had slowly a very basic hostel a very rudimentary college infrastructure but the college started you know swami did not want to delay and you had these two giants of science one in science and another in education guiding the institution even as swami was showing the way they were also witnessing all this in close quarters and once swami started the hostel he needed a warden to look after the boys so now swami wrote a letter to one mr sundar rao who was the principal of udupi college now mr sundar rao was a very good professor of english he was well versed in shakespearean literature othello and all that and he was as i said picked up why by dr t madhava a pai now t dr madhava a pai was the founder of mahatma gandhi memorial college in udupi which started in 1949 the mr pai was a very very distinguished person he is a great visionary who actually practiced surgery for 15 years and then later on he started doing a lot for the poor he set up the syndicate bank then he also set up many institutions in fact the place where he set up an institution called canara land investment you know it was to help the poor people with finance you know it was called manapalla in the local tulu vernacular language meaning mud pond and which later on became manipal which is the modern name for the region atop the hill he was the one you know who set up the manipal institute of technology manipal college of education there are plenty of institutions that dr pai has set up and dr pai in 1948 has started an academy of general education and he picked professor h sundar rao as the founder principal of this college this mahatma gandhi memorial college and sundara was a man of great discipline and decorum he established a tradition of academic commitment and a great steadfastness to values so that is what sundara was known for and in 1969 you know he was hospitalized he was in the bed he had an heart attack and it is at this time that swami sends a letter to sundara assuring him his grace and protection and then swami says i am going to start a college it is going to become a big college and it is being set up in an area where i have walked every brick of this place is pure because i myself have walked on this earth and swami says this is going to be a turning point in my education mission students here have to be educated on the higher purpose of life and then swami said Sundar Rao will you come and take over as warden and look after these children this is the letter that Swami had written to Mr Sundar Rao how fortunate is that soul you know perhaps his life of great discipline you know and adherence to values was being rewarded so handsomely now by the avatar Swami himself recognizing what he stood for and Sundar Rao the moment he recovered from the hospital immediately he came with his wife and children and you know he settled down in brindavan to serve bhagwan and swami gave him three tiny rooms just next to the students dormitory so he was living with the boys and he was 
constantly watching the growth of the students the growth as swami would want it and slowly from three boys it became next year 20 boys and you know by 1973 there were 60 students and these students were coming from all over the place you know the problem was these students because they came from all over the place they had their own habits their own tendencies you know there some people coming from cities swami was constantly trying to correct them and bhagwantam and gokak you know they were watching all this and it was mr gokak who was articulating what was happening you know he saw the students are doing different kind of activities apart from the academic activities and that's how he came up with self reliance he saw the students doing you know uh, dispensing medicine the student looking after kitchen looking after the cows looking after gardening so all these different ideas that we later on sort of got institutionalized in swami's educational institutions dr gokak articulated them witnessing all this in bundavan living in close proximity of bhagwan now the challenge for sundara was great because you had students who had come from all over the place and they had come with their own habits and own tendencies it's not easy to you can mold school children perhaps you know with some effort but to mold college going students is not easy because they were all coming with their own ideas with their own habits and you know especially those coming from cities a lot of unlearning had to be done before they can confirm to the discipline that swami wanted because you know the kind of discipline that you have here is not there in any other college outside so mr sundara had a tough time and this point in time swami who was spending a lot of time with the students used to write also continuously letters to sundara to guide him whenever he was not in bundavan let me just share with you you know some clips of one letter that swami had written to sundara in those initial years in the first 2 3 years i will share with you the anguish also that swami felt when students were not conforming to the discipline it was a very big task you know trying to change their hearts but that was the focus of bhagwan's mission as the brindavan chapter opened let me play for you few excerpts of this letter sundar rao anduko aashirwadamlu nedu venkatramudu anupam vachi paiki cheeti pampinaru varlanu oka varam hostel lo nundi baita undunatlu meeru gokaku telipinatla vrasaru naaku chaala santoshamainadi varamu gadu enduku pettithiro artham kaaledu పూర్తి బయటనే ఉండి చదువుకొనినా మంచిది సో హియర్ స్వామి సెలింగ్ సుందర్ రావు యాక్సెప్ట్ మై బ్లెస్సింగ్స్ టుడే అనుపమ్ అండ్ వెంకటరాముడు సెంట్ ఏ చిట్ అప్స్టేర్స్ దట్ చిట్ వాజ్ రిటర్న్ బై యూ అండ్ గోకాక్ వెర్ ఇన్ యూ హ్యావ్ ఆస్ దీస్ టూ బాయ్స్ టు స్టే అవుట్సైడ్ ది హాస్టల్ ఫర్ వన్ వీక్ ఐఎమ్ వెరీ హ్యాపీ విత్ దిస్ స్వామి రైట్ ఐఎమ్ వెరీ హ్యాపీ విత్ దిస్ ఐఎమ్ అనేబుల్ టు అండర్స్టాండ్ వై యూ రెస్ట్రిక్టెడ్ ఇట్ టు వన్ వీక్ if they stay out completely and study it is even better this is what swami has written because you know swami was intolerant in those days for any act of indiscipline swami was encouraging gokak and sundar out to be very strict because you know it was a years when the foundation was being laid for what is discipline in satyasai colleges let me play for you another clip asabhyanga agauravanga avinitiga pravartinche pillalaku అసలు బృందావనంలోనే చోటు ఉండదు నీతి నిజాయితీలతో ప్రాచీన భారతీయ సంస్కృతిని యువకుల హృదయాలలో చేర్చు నిమిత్తము కాలేజీ స్థాపించితిమి కానీ కూటి విద్యలకు 
తలభారము డిగ్రీలను సంపాదించే నిమిత్తం కాదు ఇహమునకు ఆవిద్యలు పరమునకు పరవిద్యలు రెండింటినీ జోడించి సమన్వయపరిచి సత్యమార్గమున సాధుహృదయులకు బాలులకు అందించవలెననే నా ఆశయం సో హియర్ స్వామీస్ టెలింగ్ దర్ షుడ్ బి నో ప్లేస్ ఇన్ బృందావన్ ఫర్ స్టూడెంట్స్ హూ బిహేవ్ ఇన్ ఎ మ్యానర్లెస్ వే వితౌట్ రెస్పెక్ట్ అండ్ మొరాలిటీ ఐ స్టార్టెడ్ దిస్ కాలేజ్ విత్ ద పర్పస్ ఆఫ్ ఇన్స్టిలింగ్ ది ఏన్షియన్ కల్చర్ ఆఫ్ భారత్ విచ్ ఈస్ స్టీప్డ్ ఇన్ మొరాలిటీ అండ్ ఇంటెగ్రిటీ and not for accumulating big degrees which will serve only to fill their stomachs. I wish to provide the pure-hearted children the combination of education for this world and self-knowledge for the other world and they should do this walking on the path of truth. Let me play for you one more clip and then we'll continue this in the next episode. Kanna Thalli Kante కడుపున పుట్టిన బిడ్డ కంటే అధికంగా దరిచేర్చి ఆదరించి లాలించి పాలించి ఆనందమున ఊగించిన సాయి దయాప్రేమలనే అర్థం చేసుకోలేని మూర్ఖులు అన్యులను గౌరవింతురా మూడు సంవత్సరములు ఉగ్గుపాలతో ఆరగింపచేసిన సాయిమాత ప్రేమకే నోచుకోలేని బండబుద్ధులు బెండుబారవా అసలు మొత్తము పాతవార్లలో కరడుగొట్టుకున్న రోతబుద్ధులు నీతిలో చేర్చే వరకు వారిని నమ్మవీలులేదు క్రొత్త పిల్లలను కూడా పాడు చేయుచున్నారు క్రొత్తగాని పాతకాని ఎవరైనను మన ఆశయాలను అర్థం చేసుకుని దానికి అనుగుణంగా ప్రవర్తించిననే అందులో అర్హత లేకున్నా అట్టివారులకు చోటు ఉండదని గట్టిగా చెప్పు మంచి పిల్లలు పది మంది ఉండినా చాలు గాడిద పాలువలే కడవలెందుకు గోవు పాలువలే స్పూనుడు చాలు do not understand the enormous love of sai who has loved and cared for them more than any earthly mother can ever do and who brought them clothes caressed them fostered them and swung them in his blissful motherly love can such dull headed ever give respect to anyone else can we refine these dim-witted fellows who could not be touched by the love of sai who nursed them for three whole years with his immense love like earthly mothers would feed their newborns. Unless old students with rotten tendencies take to the path of morality, we can never believe them. They are spoiling the new students. You sternly warn everyone, be it old students or new, that only if they understand our ideals and confirm to them, they acquire the deservedness to be here, not otherwise. good students even if they are just 10 in number that is enough instead of liters of donkey milk a spoonful of cow milk is better so sami is not mincing words here when it comes to discipline he is unsparing in his comments when it comes to enforcing the conduct that he wants from students and he wants the warden to be really absolutely unrelaxing when it comes to the students confirming to the routine confirming to the philosophy confirming to whatever has been laid on because you know at that age students coming from all parts of the country from the cities they were a very very different lot and we know how difficult it is to control one young mind and there were like hundreds of them and there were some in the hostel there were some staying outside so 
it was that phase when Swami was so painstakingly laying the foundation of discipline which is so very paramount in Swami's institution. In fact, it is because of the way Bhagwan was in, in that era that discipline became the medium of instruction in the Satyasai colleges. So there is more to this letter. Maybe we'll continue this in the future episodes of this program. But what I was trying to say is these are the foundational years of the college and for Swami, discipline was absolutely essential. That is what, for him, that was more important than whatever else the students did. Even if they were not academically brilliant, for Swami, it was more important that they are morally upright and he wanted a balance. So this is how, you know, the Brindavan College started and in the future episodes of this program, you know, we are going to have this and we will share, we will go on in this journey of seeing how Swami molded the students over those 10 years in Brindavan and eventually how that led to the coming of the university and then later on after Trai Brindavan came, the new abode of Bhagwan, how the relationship with students continued and it moved to a new gear. So all that is coming up in the future episodes of this series. Thank you so much dear listeners for being with us. As always with really gratitude to Bhagwan for having given us such a beautiful opportunity to know about him, to, to, to ruminate on him and to contemplate on his story and to draw the lessons to make our lives a part of his glory. Really grateful to him. If you have any queries or comments or if you know anything that we do not know, you know, we are trying to build a story, we are trying to build this history, please feel free to share, dear listeners. If you have any pictures, any images of the early Brindavan times or if you know anything about uh, the people who contributed hugely in the early years of Brindavan, please share those contact with us or those pictures or that information and we'll try and build this beautiful story of Swami in Brindavan. As always, if there's anything, you can write to listener at radiosci.org. If you want to write anything personally to me, you can write to bishu at radiosci.org, B-I-S-H-U at radiosci.org. Thank you so much. Sairam. Embodiments of love. Peace is within, not outside. Outside, no peace, only pieces. Sairam, you just heard an episode of our program, Outside, Inside, Deep Inside. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Bishop Prushti. And today's episode was first broadcast on 5th July 2018. Dear listener, you can email us your feedback as always to listener at radiosai.org. You can also WhatsApp us to this number 9393258258. Thank you and Sairam.